This is Todd Berman of Yishvit Eretz Atzvi. We'd like to welcome you to our new podcast. My guest this week is Rabbi Dr. David Ebner, Rosh Hashiv and Mashkiach of Yishvit Eretz Atzvi. And we will be running a short series on the topic of the Pesach Haggadah. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Rabbi Ebner. We're going to talk about the Haggadah Shal Pesach, some ideas I guess if uh, we could focus on three ideas, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, ideas that you find really interesting in the Haggadah, maybe the Vortlach or more than Vortlach or something. So why don't you start with an idea that you have on the Haggadah? I have in front of me, since I didn't know what we were going to do, <laughs> I brought the Haggadah that I use at the Pesach Seder oh, yes, all sir. the time. For a long time, I collected Haggadahs, and then it became such a big industry, so I stopped at about 50 different Haggadahs. Now there are 50 new Haggadahs every year. But the one Haggadah I use every year, if this were being videoed, I could hold it up and I could actually show you the Haggadah. I'm holding it up now. Let it be noted that I am holding it up. I'm showing Rabbi Berman the Haggadah Shal Pesach. And what do you see on the page of the Haggadah? You notice on the pages of the Haggadah, there's one thing that's there on every page. What are those things? Wine, wine marks. Correct, wine marks. And... Rav Hutner, to leave the Haggadah for a moment, but the Haggadah as the basis of a mushal, he said, a machzer on Yom Kippur that does not have tear stains on it is like a Haggadah on Pesach that doesn't have wine stains on it. You know it wasn't used. But I dare say that my Haggadah has more wine stains <laughs> on its pages than all the machzerim in a modern Orthodox synagogue, don't have as many tear stains. On the other hand, to make a statement about, to answer your question, and I'm just riffing now. Uh-huh. The, we just want to riff. That's the goal of us. Okay. I think it's more riffing than a... It's more riffing than rushing. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just, right. When I grew up in America, so my father, unfortunately for him, and perhaps unfortunately for me, was a rabbi in the 1940s and 50s and early 60s when... The future of orthodoxy was grim. In the orthodox synagogues, there were very, very few, except in certain places, but there were very, very few Shomri Shabbos. People used to come. I won't mention the places that shuls had their parking lots open on Shabbos because otherwise people couldn't come. In this particular place that I'm referring to was in the 1950s. That's when I was already old enough to begin to understand things about 10 or 11, down the block there was a Catholic church with a big parking lot. And as a face of good brotherhood, the Catholic church, which was pretty empty on Saturday, told my father the cars could park in our parking lot. That's the way it was. However, many survivors, many people who had had a kind of an education or upbringing, whether it was in Europe or in America, on Yom Kippur, when there were maybe three or four Shomrei Shabbos aside from the rabbi in the shuls, and the shul was filled, but you heard people crying. You heard people crying. Now, when you go to a shul, the shul is filled, maybe 70% or 60% of the men on Yom Kippur wear kitlach, talus over their heads, no crying. Somebody asked me, I daven before the Amud, so what can you do? How can you say, Kivakaras? Roa, and you, how can you not cry? You can't be, so you say, don't cry, <laughs> don't cry. On Yom Kippur, the Machzorim gave instructions in Yiddish. 
And the Machsorim had in certain places, Do Veintman, hear you cry. Really? Do Veintman, meaning don't cry the other part, but Do Veintman. And so everybody could cry, you know, Do Veintman. You know, when you see that, you know, like you, you, yeah, you have to cry. Anyway, well, I'd say the main issue, the main issue of Pesach is that we don't have any experience of Golos. So this was kind of easy, as it were, to say, you know, your person has to see himself as if he himself went out of Mitzrayim. It was brave in the Ashkenazic ritual to open the door and say, to end the Seder with that, pour your wrath out on the... It's hard, hard in when you feel, whether it's hard for us in Israel, unless you know like a particular kind of thing but it's hard when you're not really waiting for Elio which is Elio is just you know that's an issue how do we create that kind of thing so why this Haggadah like what is special about oh this, this particular Haggadah <laughs> this Haggadah is here in the by the way you see I because I this Haggadah that I, in the old days when I used to work in Yeshiva Teretz Tzvi rather than taking just sheer pleasure so remember, we started these Haggadah year. Mm-hmm. So these each year, I would give a different, you know, try to give different things. So uh-huh. I listed the topics. So <laughs> this Haggadah Shal Pesach has two parts: Be'er Miriam, Siyuneim Hamakorot, Birurei Nuschaot, Hearot Meirot, one side, mm-hmm. sort of scholarship, and then Kilat Moshe, Me'asef Pininim, Migaonim Van Morim. Wonderful things that were said by Geonim and Admorim. Notice the, right? Chotzvim lavos, right? They're fire. Umalhivim, and warm and set on fire the hearts. Who put this together? Mimeni, Seir HaTalmidim, the youngest of the Talmidim, Ruvain Margolius. So you know Ruvain Margolius? This particular edition was published in Tel Aviv, right? I bought the new ones when they were republished and given to all my children, so they should have, like, the copy, right? Ruven Margolius knew everything. Yeah. Everything. Now you say, like, you know, a lot of people knew everything. No, <laughs> he knew everything. He knew Torah, everything, and he knew Hasidus, everything, and he knew Machshav, everything, and he knew Chachmas Yisrael, everything. And these are the Shufra de Shufra that he wrote on the Haggadah. It's just terrific if you have a bent towards... Chachmat Yisrael and something like that, or exact readings of a Tosefta, the real simple pshat of a Tosefta, whatever it may be, that might be relevant to Al-Agada. So you can look on that side. If you Hasidus, he doesn't just stam. He chooses what I would call good Hasidus. The real problem with Haggadah is like it's supposed to be for the kids. The schools have trained the kids to say Divrei Torah. To ask questions. And and Divrei Torah that are vapid, that can't move the kids. What moves the kids is that they take part. How do you really speak to a kid? So, of course, that's a problem. I'm not trying to solve that now. In later years, I've done it. I still do it now. Everybody who comes to the Seder should prepare. I'm talking about grandchildren, but children also. They have to prepare a Dvar Torah. And since they're coming to our Seder, they know the kind of Dvar Torah that has to come in a life. And they're really good, especially if you know the kid. Okay? It's not just repeating, like, whatever silliness they were told in school. Mm-hmm. So Ruven Margolius, he said, who am I going to invite to my Seder? 
Reuven Margolius. So he said, I'm going to have different kind of people. There are going to be people who are teaching in graduate school, maybe teaching at Harvard or the university in the world of Judaica or Jewish scholarship. And I'm going to have people who can learn a Swasemis, who can understand it, right? And I'm going to give them both, and they'll have it both in my Agoda. The kind of the sadness of this, of course, is that Ruben Margolius was never married. No children. We don't know whose Seder he went to or what he said at the Seder. And the world of Chaval Alda Ovdin, the Rapchitzer says, Rapchitzer Rebbe, who if you had to say who had the greatest sense of humor among Hasidish Rebbe's, of course, in Hasidus they say, but behind all his humor were Sode Sodot, or the secrets, <laughs> the highest secrets. He says, at the beginning of Eira, Rashi says, right, Eira Avram, and they didn't question me. Right, you Moshe, you question. He says, Chaval al de'avdin v'lo mishtachin. And he said, what is Chaval al de'avdin v'lo mishtachin? So the pshat, of course, we know is, oh, well, where the others say died, they're not here anyway. Right, Chaval al de'avdin, Chaval, that all the people who really got it, who are serious people, they're gone. Who are the people who are found to teach us and lead us? Lo, zeizainin gornish, they're nobodies, they're nothings. We won't go into political leaders and so on and so forth in, that, in terms of that. So that question is, what sense can people have of all of this? That's really, I think, the, the problem. So how do you get the grandchildren really into it? It's really a problem. You have to talk on their level. You have to talk on the level of, of a kid. Of course, you have to be careful here. And they have to have trait of, of people who are mean to them. The kid doesn't know anything about, you know, like whatever. What does it mean to suffer when people did something wrong to you? That's the most they know. The injustice that a child feels. We're not always sensitive to that. Did you hear Rav Amital with the child crying? Oh, sure. The child crying? So, Rabbi Berman, could you tell me, since we're having discussion, could you tell it as you remember Rav Amital telling a story? Well, I remember Rav Amital saying the... Alter Rebbe was learning, and his son was learning, and I guess it was it was Tzemach Tzedek was the baby. Was that right? And there was a baby in the in the room, but the uh, I guess it was uh, Dove Bear was was sitting and learning, and Shazama got up and grabbed the baby who was crying and said, "If you're learning so much that you don't hear a baby crying, then you're not learning. Then you're not learning. Correct. You can also go online. You can hear Avamital saying it in." whether it's the exact details as you, but it doesn't matter whether it's the exact details as you, what you hear. Okay, I'll go off on a tangent, then you remember me to go back to Lubavitcher Rebbe. Here's okay. a tangent, it's what you hear. So many years ago, I wrote a poem, which is actually is published in the, and one day will be part of the movie when they make a movie <laughs> of my poetry for, for, for the seven people who have maybe read it. Something in London, okay? It's about experience which is really what we're talking about now, it being able to experience something. The Rav said, I'm pretty sure it was during actually one of the Shir, it's Shir Gemara, but it could be in another context, but I heard him say it. He said that as a young person, he davened Musaf of Yom Kippur, standing next to his grandfather, Reb Chaim. When Reb Chaim said the recitation of Yavodas, Kohen Godol, in Musaf that we say on Yom Kippur, he, <laughs> the little Yashabir Soloveitchik, he heard the angels come to listen to his 
grandfather. And I heard it, but I didn't really understand it. The Gemara says it takes 40 years to really understand what your Rebbe said, the Gemara Navodazar. And I said, I really only understood it 40 years later, what it means to hear the angels. He understood it, I assume, 40 years after he heard it. And he told me, and now in London, I'm telling you this story that you might understand 40 years from now. So somebody who actually read the poem said, no, I never, the Rav never said that, that he heard the angels come. So one Shabbos, I was in the, it was in the Gush when we were visiting when Rabbi Tabori was still, Ola Shalom was still able to go to the yeshiva. I was davening in the yeshiva and Mrs. Lichtenstein, Robertson Lichtenstein was there and I was walking back with her and I said, listen, did you ever hear your father tell this story about hearing the angels? The angels. She said, no. I said, you know why? I'm because people say that your father didn't say that. So I was wondering. I seem to remember that he said it. And you know, I like feeling, you know, like, you know, I forget things that happened yesterday, but I tend not to get things that happened 40 years ago. So she said to me, I didn't hear it. But maybe my father didn't say it. But when my father told the story, when you heard my father, maybe, maybe you heard the angels coming to listen to him telling the story. And at the Azkara that they made in Lindenbaum for Tova. So Tova Rhein. Oh, oh, okay. yeah, Tova Rhein. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So afterwards, I reminded Rabbanit Lichtenstein, I reminded her of that, and she, you know, that she said, right? So here we are to the angels. So how could you have heard a person heard that story? about the Alter Rebbe and the Mittler Rebbe. And the, uh, the Mittler Rebbe is because that's the way the, with the Alter Rebbe and one was on one floor and then the right. other. If you listen to the Rebbe, <laughs> Shlita or whatever you want to call him, that's online. Oh, that story yeah, is online. online. You can listen to him and you can see him speaking. Uh-huh. Or you can see in a Yiddish picture or... of him in, in Yiddish. Yes. I don't know if they have English subtitles, but you'll uh, understand it. Now that I'm right. But there's a <clears> corresponding <throat> story of the Litvaks finding spiritual inspiration in this story, I can also find it, but it's harder. <laughs> it's harder. And Litvish's stories are true. Vigon is learning with the few Talmidim that he had, and they suddenly make a bracha. Shekoho gruraso maleolam was thundering. Like, what, I don't know, thunder, lightning, I don't remember what it was. He hears them say, what, what are you, what? So he's saying, Revi, go! <laughs> it's thundering! And he says, how can you hear thundering when you're learning Torah? So there's the question of how should we interpret a holech baderech? And he says, person's walking on the road. And he says, ah, manoi lanzeh, how beautiful this tree is. So he's lost right to life. You're, what are you talking about? You, you're learning Torah while you're going on the road. And you're looking at manoi lanzeh, how beautiful it is. So the question is, if you don't see the beauty of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so what is it? But of course the Gon saw the beauty of the HaKadosh Baruch Hu beyond the beauty in the tree in learning Torah. In other words, you learn something, you got it. At one level, you can actually translate the words of the Tosos. Art School hasn't put out a translated Tosos yet, so we're not up to that. And then you reach another Madrega, that you mamish understand it. You mamish understand it. 
and then you reach another madrega that you become part of it, you have a kashan tosos and you have an answer or another teretz. And of course, what is better? The kasha of tosos and the teretz of tosos, your kasha and teretz. Obviously, the kasha of tosos and the teretz of tosos. But what do you remember better? Remember what you said. That's the notion of chidush Torah. Because what you created is coming from you. And that's the joy of learning. In the introduction, the Egle Tal, can't have joy in learning. What are you talking about? You don't know the, the first thing. Vaharev no Hashem. It has to be. It's never when people don't enjoy it. And how can you enjoy it unless you're struggling with it? And it's mamish joy. You're in it. You can't not. So noises don't interrupt you. You're concentrating. Unidirected. So the gone is the gone. The Talmudin, they're, they're hearing thunder. The Gon certainly, at some point in his life, knew what, you know, like sometime, like, I don't know, like he heard thunder at this point. So he made the bracha. Don't worry about the Gon. You know, so the Gon can't hear. But I would not say that the Gon couldn't hear the cry of a child. Imagine being on the track that all of the noises are out. The thunder, the, the world that is too much with us, I can cancel out but I can't cancel out. Selective, right? Reb Chaim Velazhner, in his son's introduction to Nefesh HaChayim, Mochiach Osi Tamid. I'm quoting it, I think, pretty exactly. He would give me reproof regularly. Al she'eneni mitzta'er b'tzara dachina. That I don't feel the pain of the other. Yitzel Velazhner, aside from being a great Talmud Chacham, right, and the head of Velazhin, he was in St. Petersburg every month in Gondonishtik. I'm not over every right, Monday. Right. He represented the Jewish community. But his father was Mochiach. You have what I'll call sympathy, but not empathy. Betzara Dachrina. Masha'odam Chai. He said he quotes his father there. Masha'odam Chai. It's to, to relieve the, to whatever degree the suffering of the other. Lahetiv Lachrina Bechol Madevshad. For example, when you talk about names, we don't mention Moshe's name. So we, there are all kinds of terrors. We don't right. mention Moshe's name. But maybe for children, maybe you should say something. In the stories, you can mention Moshe's name. And it might be important to teach kids. Why did Moshe go out? I mean, for what? the palace. Yeah, why did he go out for the palace? Because he thought that he should know what people are going through. He went to see the Sevel, the Pasuk says. And you say Sevel, and you talk to them about, what does Sevel mean? And you could go on to the Satanet, the notion of Sevel. That's the Sivlot Mitzrayim, that you take this crap, you take this, this absurdity in life, that you're a slave, you're mistreated. And that's what Paro wanted to do. That's the first thing, to put Sevil on them. And he saw, he comes to the palace, he sees, what are they, what are they taking? And there, in front of him, Sevil appears, and he sees, and you, the story, right? And he just can't take it. And he acts. And it costs him everything, but he was ready to do it. I'll tell you another story. Sometimes you see several, or maybe you cause several. You talk to kids each on their level, on some kind of level. Every kid, kids are, kids are mean. Rav Hutner's letter about the godology that kids are mean. Like, how did Rav Hutner know that the Chafetz Chaim spoke Lashon Hara, which he writes in that letter? He doesn't know. There's no historical record. But, he but he's a kid. Nobody can grow up with. You don't grow up like in, in any other way. That's what it is. You have to struggle with it. So I remember when they started this high school in Israel, Marava. 
the first year, my oldest son was one of the students in my room. Oh, I didn't know that. Right, but they were supposed to have secular studies and they didn't have a long kind of story, right? So, but one time, there were only about 15 kids in the school. So my son said that the Rosh Hashiv of Chavetz Chaim, Reb Hanach Leibovitz, was coming to Israel and he was going to talk to the kids. So I came to listen. Son had your Mochavet. I came. Sure, I, I was there many live. times. My yeah, brother that, used to live right there. In that neighborhood, Son Mochavet, they were like one of the only places that had a second day minion. So I came to listen. And this is what he said, boys. Do you like recess? So the kids said, yes, they like recess. These are what we would call ninth graders. They like recess. Of course they like recess. And do you ever play ball? Right? You choose sides? Of course we choose sides. What about the kid who doesn't get chosen? What about the kid that gets chosen last? What does that boy feel? You have to think about it. This is what you have to think about. I said, my goodness, this is terrific. A very good friend of mine, Rabbi Jay Miller, Oliver Sham, an expert in teaching, a phenomenon in teaching. He, he he taught in many places, but he also taught in Itri in the yeshiva. Uh-huh. Okay, before Itri sponsored and, that, right? sponsored and so on and so forth, for those who know. If you take all the stories I'm telling of actual people, you know, not Gedolim from then, then you watch put, uh, put footnotes. You have now enough time has passed, so this is actually history. I have the footnotes to this, but I'm not going to waste your time with it. So he remembers coming out of Shear in Itri, in, you know, in Beit Swafa, Itri. And he's coming out of the Shear that he was giving. And a Rebbe is coming out of the other Shear room. And the other Rebbe says to him, Yankel, he says, Yankel, he'll call him Yankel. Yankel, Yankel, I said such a great Shear today, nobody understood a word that I said. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, that was Rav Shachter. Rav Shachter was saying that he went to some shir and uh, whatever it was, and the rabbi, the the rub giving this shir was so sophisticated, no one understood what he was saying. So, what's the point of that? Like, yeah, yeah. Coming with Salvechik could be very uh, clear. Of, of course, of course. I just happened to look on this. Amr of Lazar ben Azariah. This is open, happened to be open to this. <laughs> I see the tear stains. Amr of Lazar ben Azariah, Hare Ani Keven Shivim Shana, Velo Zachisi Shete Amr Yetzios Mitzrayim Baleilos. So every year I say this, Adshadarsha ben Zoma, because my father said it, so I say it every year in the Seder. Shenema Laman Tizkar Es Yom Tzeischa Meretz Mitzrayim Kol Yemei Chayecha. Yemei Chayecha, the days of your life are the days. Kol Yemei Chayecha, Haleilos. But the Chachamim say, Yemei Chayecha Ha'olam Azeh. This is this world. Kol Yemei Chayecha is to include that we'll say Yitzias Mitzrayim even in Yemosa Mashiach. So my father used to say, and it's in the Kilas Moshe of Rav Ragolias, a very short one quoted from Rav Shlomo Cohen of Radomsk, the Teferis Shlomo. Okay, I'm going to read it. Kol Yemei Chayecha Lohavi Limosa Mashiach Rotzalomar, that is to say, Kol Yemei Chayecha all the days of your life a person has to go throughout all the days of his life, right where we are now, this day. What should we be thinking of? That he should merit should be which should be 
that you're doing things that bring Mashiach. Or in the popular vernacular that you could hear sung and you can still hear sung, we want Mashiach now. Your life has to be Lahavi Vimosa Mashiach. In other words, even though it's there, how could you not say that? We say it all the time, but it becomes words. The Maral says on the Gemara that says, Ein ben David Kulo Chayev or Kulo Zaka. Kulo. So how could it be Kulo? What's Kulo Chayev? What is it, right? He says the Nikuda is the problem in life. I'll use Rav Hutnurian words. In Kolchos HaNefesh, in aspects of character, of soul, as the Maral is saying, is you have to be Kulo. You have to be committed to something. It's not this and that. So the door, there's a problem with the door that it's not Kulo. And the notion of that it should be Kulo is important. It's the lukewarm. That goes back to your beginning where you're talking about how lukewarm is uh, many people in modern Judaism. Right? I once said on the Gemara and Brachos that in, in Yavna there was a Shomer. Shomer HaPesach. And what did he check people? Tocho Kabaro. Tocho Kabaro. So the famous question is how can anybody know that another person is Tocho Kabaro? There's an answer, I think, of the Kutzker. He says, the Rishoyim figure says, they're always figuring angles. They say, there's a way you're able, you can trick people. They won't show up because maybe, (laughs) but uh, I said, the Nekuda is Kulo. What does it mean? It means that if you just read the Gemara, it doesn't say only the Baro got in. You had to be Kulo. You could be Kulo Rasha or a Kulo Tzadik. Kulo Chayev or Kulo Zakai. Tocho Kebaro. This guy's a Rasha and a Metos of an Emes. He's a real Rasha. He really, you know, if you, if you went into his heart, you'd find he's a Rasha. Why? Because I forget who it was who said, give me better a Hesa, a warm, a spirited Rasha than a lukewarm Jew. Because when the spirited full-blown Russia, when he will turn, he'll be in Kolchos HaNefesh, a spirited, a Jew of passion. But the lukewarm Jew will always stay lukewarm. Tocho, Kulo. That's like Rehuner says on Purim, Amalek, the problem is that the Koach of Hill and the Koach of Hill, they're diametrically opposed powers, but they're what you're going to suppose lukewarm people. Right, well that's Amalek. What's the lukewarm of Amalek? Because that's what he did, everybody. Got into a steaming bath and right. becomes lukewarm and it's right. no longer bothered. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the Eretz podcast. This was an experimental podcast. I hope you enjoyed the three episodes that we recorded. If you have ideas of podcasts for the future, we're happy to take any suggestions. You can write us at office at ehatzvi.org. That's office at y-e-h-t-z-v-i dot o-r-g. Or you can go to our website, eretzatzvi.org, or to our podcast website, eretzpod.org. Look forward to hearing from you in the future.